looks a little different than our typical Sunday evening. A few chairs on the stage. I wanted to share with, uh, with you how that came about. Uh, Gordon asked me if I would take care of tonight. And when, we, when he did, and I knew that the series that we've been studying on Sunday nights uh, has to do with Joshua. One of the things that's intrigued me for a long time is how someone gets to where they are, whoever that is. And, and Joshua and Moses had an interesting relationship. And <clears throat> as I considered that and thought about what I wanted to share with this whole journey with Joshua, I want to take a few steps back. Uh, <clears throat> it's always intriguing to me when someone comes to a place where, where they are uh, examining life and determining who it was that spoke into their life, who influenced their life, what the characteristics, what the core beliefs, how the behaviors manifest themselves. And I think that whoever we have in our lives by um, passive entrance or by active entrance, some people that we invite into our lives, they make a huge difference in who we are and where we are and where we're headed. Well, so we're going to get to that in just a second, but I want to ask you to to consider uh, the life, first of all, of Moses. Moses, uh, minding his own business, and uh, God appeared to him in a burning bush and essentially said, I have a mission for you. I've seen my people suffering in Egypt, and I have a mission for you, and I want you to go and be my representative to go bring my people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and take them to a place that I have prepared for them. And he, was deba- he debated and said, I don't believe I really want to. Uh, maybe not so much in those words, but he protested. He had several reasons why he thought he, wasn't, he shouldn't or he couldn't or he wasn't the person. And God said, listen to me. I have a plan for you. Well, they debated back and forth, and as you know the story, Moses relented always obedient and it wasn't really about his being disobedient it was about his believing that he didn't have what it took and I believe that God said like he would say to any of the rest of us you don't but it's not about you it's about me I am so when you go to Pharaoh when you go to Egypt you tell the Pharaoh that I am has sent you and we know that story, and we know the story that as he passed through, and, he, and, and, uh, and by the way, one of the key reasons I believe that he went was because he knew that he had someone with him, Aaron, his brother. One of the, one of the points that Moses said to God was that I am not a good speaker. I can't speak. I, my, I, I fumble, I bumble, I can't really communicate. And so he said, I've got an answer for that, your brother Aaron. And so he had, with every, with every protest, God had an answer. So when Moses made the decision to go, and he said, anytime he made a decision, it was with the, the bottom line, what does God want? He determined that he was going to go into Egypt, and he did, and as, as he went, God did say up front, he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And so as he hardened Pharaoh's heart, and we know the stories of the plagues, and we watched through, through the, the series and the sequence of Moses' life in Exodus 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, the period where the, where the plagues were manifested, and each time that took place, Moses was a real person. And so it's true, I've got to believe that he, he wrestled with, what do I do now? How long, how many of these plagues am I going to have to manifest? Will God bring And as he continued his life, and as he continued this journey of trusting and listening and finding the nature of God, as he experienced Passover, as some children were killed and some were not, as he had the exodus out of Egypt, as they encountered the Red Sea, all along the way, Moses was learning more about himself and more about his God. But he was also doing that by listening and having people speaking into his life. Now, we're going to pick up Moses here in just a few minutes again. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, I can share some thoughts here about Moses and his life 
and how he infected, uh, impacted Joshua. And Joshua, how he took the baton and went from there forward. But what I want to do a little bit differently tonight is to, is to consider how we do mentorship. How you and I do. How we allow people to speak into our lives or to come in and help shape us. How we might be invested in the lives of other people. And so in order to do that, what I thought we would do was to have a few people from our church to share a little bit about that. So I'm going to ask those of you that I've asked to come be a part of this panel, Don and, and Denise, if you would, Barbara, if you'd come on up, Bob McAfee and Eric, if you'd come on up here. And we're going to have, we're going to have some folks that represent different facets of our church family uh, to come and to share a little bit, uh, <clears throat> a little bit about what this whole life and the whole this experience of mentorship means. And I'm going to get this out of the way. And as we consider the life of Moses and the life then, the one that we're focusing on ultimately is Joshua in this series. Are we good? Okay. There we go. What we want to do is to consider how you do relationships, how I do relationships, how we as a people of God invite, once again, invite people into our lives. Do we hand select those? And how do we get involved with the lives of other people that are behind us? Before we go any further, I want to ask, uh, I want to ask you, if you would, introduce yourself. Don, would you introduce yourself? And, and uh, we'll just go right down the line. Hi, I'm Don Witt, and I'm one of the elders here at Preston Crest. I'm Denise Witt, Don's wife, J.C. and Daly's mother. <laughs> uh, Eric Winningham. I'm Barbara Cooper, assistant to Dr. Dabbs. I'm Bob McAfee, the idiot on the stage. <laughs> okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get interesting, as you can tell. Uh, Don and Denise are, as they said, Don's one of our elders here and uh, has been serving. How long? How long have you been serving? Eight years now? My how time flies. Okay. Uh, and uh, Eric is part of our B1 Young Adults group, and uh, he's one of our leaders in our B1 Young Adults group, uh, and he does mentoring, and uh, some of that I think is more formal, some of that's informal. Uh, Barbara, it's kind of funny because when I asked these people to be a part of this deal, Barbara said, why would I be up here? Why? I, I'm not a mentor, really, seriously. Uh, any, has anyone in this room received a letter or a note or a card of encouragement from Barbara Cooper? Put a hand up if you have. Okay, should look at that. There we go. Okay. Has anyone received an encouraging email from Barbara Cooper? Put a hand up. Okay. An encouraging, encouraging word or a hug from Barbara Cooper? Case closed. Okay. <laughs> Bob McAfee is a, uh, is a constant encourager. He happens to be a mentor of mine and a mentor of many others. And to watch Bob to do things that he does through this church, there are plenty of things that uh, I would never have known. I've been here, I guess, 12 years or so. And I've watched just in the time I've been here how he impacts people. And, uh, and he, too, kind of protested a little bit and said, I don't know why you would ask me to do this, but, but uh, if you want me to, I will. Uh, one of you, if you would, tell us just a little bit about uh, this consideration. When we're talking about influencing people and intentional influence of people, what is it like for you to consider that you would be in a place where you would be influencing the lives of others, particularly for Christ? Um, and we're going to pass those mics back. I'm sorry, we're, we've got an extra mic here. We have, okay, we'll just put them over here on this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go, 
up and down the row. Don, if you would. Well, I think in a position of uh, leadership at a church, kind of comes with the territory, obviously. And uh, when you're asked to do something like that, particularly when you're called out, I feel like you have already exhibited some kind of um, characteristics that indicate that you have a propensity to lead or you're interested in the lives of others, sometimes more in uh, personal relationships, sometimes because you're involved in classes or et cetera. And so I think when in my role now, having gone from member to deacon to elder, um, you see kind of the level of expectation change a little bit. And so what you say and what you do becomes more guarded and influential. I guess okay. you have, it's with each word, each level, it becomes more significant. And so when you start adding uh, to that advice to someone, I think it carries a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. because it's coming from some, you know, I, I've been called out by the church and God to do what I'm doing. So it carries a lot of responsibility. Okay. Okay. Denise, when Don was called to become an elder, what was that like for you? What were you thinking about as you soul search in that consideration? Really? <laughs> well, I mean, whatever you want to share. <laughs> um, well, it was quite an honor, but then... I also kind of have belief or a feeling that if um, you are asked to do something, you, your name has been put on those people's hearts by God and that you need to honor that. Okay. Okay. Um, and then also being in that role, I feel um, it's very important to be transparent and to be open and to um, be approachable, mm. you know, share your story so that people can come and and talk to you because um, you go through things to share and to help people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excellent. Eric, anything? I don't know how to answer the yeah. elder's wife question. That's right. Um, we're thankful so, that you don't. That's right. Do you have a question for What me? was it like for you, though, when you became, you came here? Eric came from Freed Hardman, and he uh, came here, and he explored some other churches, came to this place, and pretty quickly, you became one that was, you, took, you just developed. You took some leadership kinds of roles with us. What was that like for you when you first came on, and now you've added a few? He leads our small groups. We have a combined small group gathering once a month. He's now coordinating that. But what's it like for you to be a younger fella who's who's just kind of initiating some of that. Well, kind of like this, uh, Gary approached me and uh, convinced me um, kind, of in a, kind of in a, oh, hey, I think this is something that, that we should do. And I happened to say, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good idea. And then he said, oh, maybe you should do it and you should lead that up. I think that's a call um, from God, by the way, but go ahead. Right, right. It's, uh, you know, it's, um, when, when I got here, I had been pretty active um, on campus uh, in, in a few ministry roles. And honestly, when I got here, I was, I was thinking, okay, now that's my chance to take a break. You know, now it's, uh, now it's my chance to sit back and allow other people to do things. Um, and there were a couple circumstances that um, kind of opened up what the, the devotional that, uh, that we do once a month. And I don't even remember how that happened. I think... Uh, I think you wanted me to do one. I think Gary tried to, to get me to, uh, to organize one, and then all of a sudden that just became, you know, the, every month. It's, uh, hey, Eric, we're doing, uh, we're doing the combined Evo, right? 
So I, I think I think the the leadership aspect um, is interesting because uh, even in not being a direct mentor, um, being a leader means that you're a passive mentor, that, that people are, are acknowledging uh, that, that you're leading somewhere. Um, but in, in the context of the Bible especially, I think leadership isn't necessarily that you're in charge of someone and that you dictate to them, uh, but that you serve the people that are in your charge. Um, and given that context, I think, um, I think being a mentor just even by example and not necessarily a direct, active mentor um, is really fascinating just because, um, I mean, we're all uh, a tapestry, right? Woven together by the different people in our lives, whether that's inspired by or in spite of, um, that that we are made up of uh, the the people that we've come in contact with. Um, And that can be for for the positive or for the negative. Barbara, what's it like for you to be, uh, to see the hands in the audience here go up when I ask the question, and you see the number of people that say, yes, she has affected me? That is amazing to me. I am the reluctant Moses. I'm sitting at my desk working, and Prentice Metter calls me in and says, I want you to come work for me. And I said, nah, no. I said, no. And he said, well, why not? And I said, I don't think I can do the job. And he said, well, let's just think about it. And I said, I've thought about it. (laughs) And he said, I need you to come work for me. And I said, I just don't think I can do it. He said, I said, there are 2,000 people across that street. Why don't you get one of them? He said, no, I want you. So he said, let's pray about it. And we prayed about it. And I finally said yes. And it was really good. And thinking about that, um, you know, we were talking about the people across the street. He said, you know them all, you love them all, why not? And I, have, I love you, I love all of you. And so with this mentoring thing, when Gary came to me and talked to me about it, I think it's kind of like a job that you have that you love. It's not, like, it's not like a job. You do things because you love to do them, and that's what happens with me. I see things that need to be done, and I just do them, and I love doing it. So maybe I am mentoring. I see Wendy out there, and I catered for a lot of years, and um, I'm not catering anymore. I stopped catering when I worked for Prentice. But um, Wendy is one of those people who has, she's just kind of attached herself to me some kind of way. I can be in the kitchen working and doing things, and I never have to say a word to her. She just knows what I need. Those are the kind of people you like to have around, and each one of you has people around you like that, and you are mentors, and sometimes you don't know that you're mentoring. So I don't know if that answers it, but that's my feelings. No, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Bob, you have been involved with more ministries in Preston Crest than probably people can count. What got you started when you first began here? And what, how do you see your role in helping other people get involved through the years? The real answer to that is all of the jobs that I have had here just happened. Somebody needed something and somehow or other my name got involved or I, I said I would do it and I got involved in it. And I counting the money, 
That was one of the easy ones. <laughs> uh, working in the office when we needed a, a, a secretary in the office. Uh, our minister came to me and asked me to do that. And for some reason I said, yeah, I would. And all of the jobs I've had here were things I never really thought of. They were never done by design. They just appeared on the horizon. And somehow or other I got involved in them because I, I just because I would, I guess. And I, I have some prejudices against some of the things in the church that I don't think get done the way they ought to get done. Mm. And I almost go and sign up for them because I think <laughs> they ought to get done. <laughs> Elders. <laughs> I've never wanted to be an elder. Okay. Uh, I have been in churches pretty much all over the world, including Japan and other places. And every place I have been, I've had some level of, of being a manager. And it, I don't know why. I don't know. I couldn't give you an answer why. But I do it. And for the most part, I have enjoyed it. And maybe it's just my pride that's got to me. <laughs> I don't know. But I just, it's just, it's been a natural thing for me to do okay. is to be involved in the church. And I like to think I've done a good job. I remember when Prentice came to me right after I'd gotten out of the armed services and said, Bob, I want you to come be our whatever job it is in the office, administrative manager. And I said, oh, Prentice, and next thing I know, I'm doing it, and I'm enjoying it. And um, one other example I'll give you, and I'll quit. Uh, one of our elders came to me 12 and a half years ago and said, Bob said, we're starting Friends Speak. Anybody know George Miller? And I said, what, is, what does it take? And he said, well, we're going to do it two times a week. And I said, oh, George, I'll give you one time a week. Just right off the top of my head, I said that without any thought. The first week, I served that one time, and George needed somebody, and I served the second time. Twelve and a half years later, I have been involved in Friends Speak twice a week. Everybody ought to be in it. And I kid you not, it is the most self-satisfying thing I have ever done. I have met people from all over the world, now mostly people from China and Taiwan, mostly Taiwan, and they, they love us. They, they really enjoy coming to Fred Speak. I have a way of starting with them. I always start in the 12th chapter of Genesis where God is talking to, uh, who was he is talking to? I don't remember right now. Uh, but my, and that's the other thing that I'm dealing with right now is I'm 82 years old and my mind is going on 95. Uh, at any rate, things that just pop up and I've, I've done them. That's how I got involved in, in being the money counter around here and taking all the money in. That's how I got involved. I was just going to give one more example, and I was 
already forgotten what it was. You'll, let, me, let me do this. You'll remember that here in just a second, but I want to insert something because you said to me uh, when I contacted you this week and even yesterday that you don't necessarily, because of that reason, because you, rem- you forget things today more than you used to, you said, you wonder sometimes if you can continue to do this. And yet while ago, down the hallway at Friendspeak, you and Amy had two students across the table, and you were investing your life in these young people from uh, UTD, from Asia, and you tell me that that's not mentoring? That's mentoring. It is mentoring. And those people, I, I, have, I have enjoyed every person I have worked with in Friendspeak. They have come to me from all over the world. I have met those people. Now it's mostly people, students from uh, the two colleges whose names I don't remember either. My other problem is, is my mind has gone bad. And I, I don't say that jokingly, it really has. But my goodness, I have enjoyed doing things. Yeah. My dad did the same thing. My dad was a high school dropout. He's been a member of several different con- congregations. And in nearly every one of them, he became an elder. Hmm. I've stayed away from eldership. Man, I don't think anybody needs that grief. <laughs> Let, any, let, let me step rate, in. I have enjoyed my life serving, and if I served God and if God is happy with me, that makes it all the better. And we love you for that. Let me step in for just a second and suggest this. Let me tw- shift for just a minute. What we've been talking about so far has to do more with context of the church, uh, roles in the church impacting within the context of the church family. The reality is, Don, you lead a company. Uh, Eric, you're working at Stonegate. You, every one of you here, every, all five on stage are in places of service in community in, your, in, the, in whatever forms. And so there is a place, there's a role for you to pay it forward to invest in the lives of people out there. And by the way, there are five people on stage. This stage out here is filled with people that have the same, same story. Each of us have a place in the church and out in community where if we choose to, we can invest in people that are coming behind us and learn from those before us. Uh, and then you two now have a, a future son-in-law. Uh, recently, Daly's been, uh, Daly is engaged. And what's that like for you to consider now? Let me, let me suggest this term, and I want to ask you, intentional, intentional mentorship uh, or active mentorship versus passive mentorship, uh, in mentorship. And what I mean by that, active mentorship is a, it's essentially a context in which you have a role, an assigned space. There is someone in your life that you are given the commission or being asked to mentor or encourage or challenge or teach. And then there's this more passive or uh, at-large influence that we might have people that aren't necessarily put under our tutelage or students or trainees, but they're people that possibly come up later and say, Dr. Brantley, you don't know this, but I've been watching you for 10 years, and you did something 10 years ago when we came in your clinic, and we learned something from you, and you had no idea, but I've been doing that ever since. Gary would never know, but it's something that we do more, more as a, an at-large without even realizing that. You're getting ready to have a relationship, uh, Denise and Don, with this young man. You already do, already do. What's it like for you to consider this more formal, you know, father-in-law, mother-in-law role that you're getting ready to take on, or any of the others that don't necessarily fall into the church context? What's that like for you to consider the, the, the real powerful place that you have in someone's life? And I'll get... You, you all, and I really am going to be interested in getting some of your perspective here in the, in the audience too. 
I'll let her talk about the father-in-law thing. Okay. I'll talk about the business aspect. I went to work for my father many, many years ago, and he's since retired. But one of the things he told me, and it's proven to be true, he says, you hire employees and humans show up for work. And he said, as part of your job, you're going to be their marriage counselor, their bail bondsman, their, you know, hopefully spiritual influence. You're going to be a lot of things in those people's lives. And it's proven to be very true. And I, I... I take that with a lot of responsibility. It's, um, it's amazing how many different factors influence the lives of people that work for you. And when you're their boss, how much weight that carries. And if they confide in you, it really is meaningful. And I tell the managers oftentimes, you're a coworker at first. And if we've hired them and then promote from within, I'll tell them, before, when you're talking over lunch with peer-to-peer, what you say is chit-chat. The minute I give you the title of manager, it becomes policy. Or you're speaking on my behalf, and it carries a lot more weight. And I, I see that being a real burden for some people, and, and they don't necessarily handle that with great respect. And I think as mentors in whatever line of work, whether it's work, whether it's familial, whether it's spiritual, um, taking that responsibility and knowing what you say is going to be interpreted and therefore used uh, is important. In, in, the, in the business world, I've found it to be really influential to people that are uh, underneath me. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about Patrick? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Patrick. <laughs> um, my, my thought on that is I have always... Um, try to put myself in positions of people that were just a little ahead of me in that situation. And then like when this engagement comes up and being a a mother-in-law, talk to some people who are older than me and say, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? Um, I just know that, you know, we, we prayed for certain things for our um, daughters, spouses, and that has worked. You know, we prayed for a a man that uh, believed in God and we prayed for a man that was, um, raised in a home that had the right examples set before him and um god has answered those prayers um so anyway i've got to seek out some of my friends who are in the next stage and i'll just get advice and from them but um about the active mentorship um i know everybody's really busy and i feel like what i have found is that even though you have a lot going on and you've said yes to a commitment of um, meeting with people once a month or meeting with people on Sunday, that God always works out the time. Um, Like if you think, oh, I'm not going to have time to get this dinner made or I'm not going to have time to get my lesson, it always works out. And especially if you present it to God and say, you know, help me in my timing. And then in the passive regard, um, I don't think we realize how much we can just say something and how that, those little words will stick in someone's mind and they'll go back to it and then they'll come back up to you later. Do you remember when you said that? Well, that really helped me. And you didn't even realize that you were saying anything, mm-hmm. but maybe they had shared an example of how their kids were or a situation that they were in and just telling a story. And just so in just general conversations, you can really encourage someone or it will stick in someone else's mind and pop back up. Hmm. 
because I mean that just happened to me the other day I had spoken with a friend and she was telling me you know about her kids and how you know they were both raised the same way but life just seemed a little bit easier for one than the other and I thought you know I I understand that and it was interesting to talk about that sure so excellent thank you thank you Gary, uh, I had one other thing I wanted to say, and then Bob, I'll shut up. No, no, Bob, just, just, uh, Eric had something, then we'll get to you in just a second, sir. Thank you. Um, I, think, I, I think it's interesting that, that uh, you just mentioned um, seeking out someone that's older than you. Uh, being the youngest on this stage, I recognize that uh, often your, your mentor is someone that's older than you, someone that's uh, undergone the experience and has hopefully generated some wisdom from that experience, and, and that's what you seek to uh, harvest from that person. Um, but I, I can't help but think of um, plenty of examples in the Bible of uh, Paul and Barnabas, of Jesus and Peter, um, of people that were on the same age level um, or, or, or at the same place in life um, in years, and yet um, either passive or, or, or actively um, were contributing to that, that person's life. Um, I mean, I, I, think of, um, I think of Paul and Barnabas. I think of uh, someone who has come to uh, the other person uh, and, and has encouraged them uh, with, with hope that sustains them. Um, and I think it's I think it's an interesting thing to uh, to lean upon someone in that way, um, and to to be a uh, a contributor of of encouragement, of inspiration, um, and that doesn't require necessarily a, a it doesn't require me to have to come to someone that's older than me. Uh, or, or for someone who's older to provide that for someone who's younger. I think, uh, I think it's a symbiotic relationship, and I think it can go both ways, um, and I think that's incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Barb, do you have anything on, on this? Okay, you good? Bob? I wanted to say just one thing about my personal life. I was working for Ford Motor Company for 37 years, and I retired. I'm walking down the hall here at church one day, and I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's Prentice Mutter. And he says, Bob, we need an administrative assistant. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And they, somebody asked me how much I wanted, and I said, I don't want to get paid. God has been too good to me to do that. And besides, I don't want to be under the thumb of the elders. <laughs> and so, at any rate, I had that job. And I loved every minute of it. And I've got one other story, but I'll forget it. Okay. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get there. When Moses and when Joshua, Moses was getting ready to go up on the mountain in Exodus chapter 24. He didn't go alone. He chose to take Joshua with him. It's interesting that he... Didn't have to, but he chose to do that. I don't think that was by accident when Scripture le- places that there. And then Aaron and company remained at the bottom of the mountain, and Moses and Joshua went on up. I think there's something significant to that, honoring this person behind him to take him to a place and to let him know explicitly and implicitly that at some point the baton's going to be passed. 
The baton is passed here. We have a pipeline here that we, I believe Preston Crest does real well with this. We're very intentional about that. And we see uh, people coming through this, this church family and take on a few different roles. Bob mentioned previous to this, he used to lead a communion uh, service here. And at one point, he handed the baton to Buddy Barnes. And then that's been handed and it continues on. I know that in our B1 group, we have people coming in from all over the place. They come, they're here. They engage, some of them date each other, and it doesn't take some, some, some date, and they continue on, and they start toward a marriage. And we have, right now we have eight couples in our Together Forever mentoring program and teaching program, and so they're going on, and they're filtering into the next. It's an engaged newly married group, and that's kind of flourishing now more so, and then that goes into the next stage, and they become deacons and serve in a variety of ways, and it continues to go on. Well, that's been the history of this place. And I think we do that pretty well intentionally. We're not perfect. We always need to look and see how we do it better. Our children going through the youth program, going and on. And I think that that's not simply to follow an American school model. I think that's to follow God's model of intentionality. I watch in this church people paying it forward continually, sometimes intentional and active. And quite often, it's more passive and at large. It's, it's noticed, and it's someone notices someone across the way and asks, is there a place I can help? That's a significant, healthy thing going on right here. As Moses approached the end of his life, and you find it in Numbers 27 and Deuteronomy chapter 34, there's a point where God says, you've been a faithful person, but you did one thing that will disqualify you from going into Canaan. And I have chosen my leader, and you already know him. And he's the one that was with you. He's the one, he was one of the spies that came back. And I have a place and a plan for my people, and it is to do what I've always done, and that's to take my followers and have them continue to serve and continue to invest in the next person. I think that we really want to encourage us, in, as we consider this tonight, to be more intentional, more thoughtful about who the people are in our lives that have paid it forward to us, who we've received, and then who is it that we're paying forward to? Who is it that we're investing in? Who is it that we're pouring ourselves into so that they can ultimately continue this lot, this kingdom life now and then a home in heaven? That's really what I think has taken place throughout. Do you all see that? See that that's something that we tend to do, and it's not just an accidental thing. It's, it is pretty, pretty intentional. We're uh, we're about ten till we want we want to finish on time. But do you uh, anyone here have something that you want to mention, some question or some comment in your life as a uh, person living it out? Because we have five people on stage, but we got a room full of people who are also living this way. Comments or thoughts on this intentional life of mentoring and investing and paying it forward to those behind us or possibly share a blessing of someone that's spoken into your life and invested in your life maybe here maybe some other place any thoughts i'll take up the space right here let me get one of those mics if i can please thank you Paul mentored Timothy and taught him to be a good minister for the Word of God, uh, and in doing so, uh, Timothy became a great uh, minister on his own. 
Today, I don't see us having, uh, let's say, someone working under Gordon Dabbs as the next stage minister, as the next person to take over, or perhaps have Gordon train someone so that other churches can uh, have the benefit of a, uh, someone who's been taught by a minister of a big church to go over to another church and help uh, take over as their pulpit minister. Do we, do we have, have we ever thought of trying to do that here as well? Those of you that have been here for a while, longer than my 12 years, have you had, so the question was, have you had someone that has, in the preacher role, someone that has, uh, has, has there been some intentionality about training new preachers to do what, the, what Gordon Dabbs does here to, uh, for other places and, or other times, other smaller churches or for future down the road? <clears throat> and maybe that's something that I, I don't know. It sounds like there's not really a strong response to that, but uh, it may be something to consider. It's a good, good question, good, good thought. Someone, uh, we'll get Bob here in just a second. If you would, anyone else, anyone else here in the crowd here that would like to uh, give a comment about this intentionality in life as one who receives from, the one, from those before. Moses received, by the way, from Jethro, his father-in-law, who said, I've seen what you're doing, love it, but you're wearing yourself out. <clears throat> Pick some good people and delegate. Moses heard that, continued. It's a principle Biblical principle that we need to follow. Anyone have any? Bob? There was just one other thing I wanted to say about my relationship to my God. I was nine years old in 1945. I had polio. I was paralyzed. I got well. My God took care of me. I came to Dallas. I ended up with quadruple bypass surgery when I was 44 years old. Why, God? He took care of me, and I got well. And I love my God, and that's my story. Absolutely. It's a blessing to me. Yeah, Tom. I was just going to say that, you know, from the intentionality standpoint, there was many years ago when Denise and I were newlyweds and moved here, we were in the newly, one of two adult, young adult classes, the newly married. Fred and Dottie White were the mentor couple. And I remember hearing Fred teach and they had us in their home and they, they really impacted a lot of people. Then years later, I got to serve on the eldership with him, which was amazing, you know, to be able to do that. But he walked the walk and that was what was so cool because he was a, you know, from, I think, Kermit um, out West Texas, and he was just a salt-of-the-earth guy, but he lived the life that us as young couples, um, we were influenced by that. And I saw that they were intentional in getting involved because they knew they could leave a mark, and I think that's a, a great example in how the church has continued to try that youth group. They're having young couples come in, Brian and Alexandra have young couples who are working in that because I'd much rather those people speak into the lives of those kids um, as opposed to having hired staff always doing it or mom and dad having to do it. And so I think being intentional and getting involved and being able to put your imprint on people, the opportunities are there, but sometimes you have to step up and say, I want to do that. Absolutely. Being willing, being willing to invest yourself. And and, uh, anyone, anyone else have anything I do want to mention, I want to read something here that's a, that's a uh, very short poem, and it says this, and I'll ask you, many of you have heard it before. An old man going on a lone highway, 
came at an evening gold and gray, uh, cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was falling, uh, flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him. But he turned when safe and on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you are wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at even tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been as naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building this bridge for him. Moses didn't ask for the mission. God chose him. He protested like you and I might. And then he ultimately said, like hopefully you and I do, yes, Lord, I'm here. I'll go. Along the way, he learned from people that were sometimes older. As Eric pointed out, sometimes not older. I learned from people older than me. I learned from people younger than me. He chose to listen ultimately to God and to other people around him. And his bottom line was, I will be faithful to my God. And I'm going to train and teach Joshua. I'm going to train and teach others. And if others, and they will see me, I'm the leader of, the, of Israel. They will see me and they'll follow. I'm aware of that. There's a certain responsibility and there's a certain sober nature of this call. But Moses led through a Red Sea that peeled back. Told them the food would be there. And it was. When you've got to think that he probably had to be doubting. And he continued to show the faith in God, not in himself. And at one point, he said, God said, you're not going to get to go across the other side. You will get a chance to look. And you've had the honor of being able to bless and teach and train the one that will. But your life will end here, and you'll pay it forward. And he did, and you and I can, and I pray to God that we do. I'm thankful that we are. And I ask you, if you would, to consider again tonight, if you have not thought about the people that you're pouring into, whomever that might be, at your workplace, in the church, out on this mission field, any place that you go, please consider who it is, who you're paying it forward to. And uh, I thank my God that he's given you, me, and us the mission and the commission to do just that. I'm going to ask if you would to consider that thought. I'm going to ask you if you would to consider that God has given you that opportunity. And uh, we're going to, John Scott will lead us here in a minute. If you would consider that thought as we stand and as we sing in praise to him. John Scott, if you would please.